Welcome to episode number 118 of the Peak Humans podcast. If you'd like to join a community of heart-centered, growth-oriented innovators who are committed to performing at their highest level, click the link down below to join Peak Network. We do this through coaching, thoughtful discussions, and powerful connections. You'll also receive exclusive insights, tools, and strategies on the psychology of peak performance and high performance habits every single week. Today's show is with Dr. Nicholas Bruce. He is a paradigm-shifting psychedelic therapist, researcher, and trainer who is passionate about helping people heal, grow, and find freedom in their lives. He's co-therapist and supervisor for the MAPS Phase Three clinical trial of MDMA-assisted therapy for PTSD. For those who don't know, MAPS stands for Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. Dr. Nicholas is certified in both IFS, Internal Family Systems Therapy, and Ketamine-Assisted Psychotherapy. He's been providing Ketamine-Assisted IFS Therapy in Los Angeles since 2017. Dr. Nicholas is the co-founder and lead trainer of the Psychedelic Coalition for Health. He is also a trainer for therapeutic psilocybin with Therapsil. And now, please enjoy today's show with Dr. Nicholas Bruce. Nick, thanks for being on the show, man. Man, great to be here. I've been looking forward to this chat. Me too. We're finally having our moment. <laughs> here we our, are. Our conversation we wanted to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of things I do want to share uh, based on our previous conversations about the work you do and just... I love your mindset about life and how you see things and also how you connect with people. You're really good at that. And obviously your work kind of uh, is uh, a big part of that, of course. Mm -hmm. But before we get into that and share the, share the good stuff, uh, well, there's more good stuff now, but I want to hear a little bit about your story, like where are you from and how'd you get to, to where you are now? It's a big okay. question. Yeah, yeah, two yeah. Minute, two minute story. Two minutes -ish. And, okay. and, then, and then I'll jump in from there. Okay, great. Um, and yeah, starting with appreciation of you, uh, oh, yeah. our connection, um, our conversations up until now, and um, and and your um, your offering, yeah, um, around mindset, cool, deep appreciation, thank yeah, you, learning from you personally, yeah, thank you, I appreciate that, yeah. yeah. Um, my story, wow, okay, here we go, Midwest, yeah, um, Southern Illinois, born and raised, youngest of six. Growing up, watching these different relationships and rather conservative um, Catholic kind of upbringing. Mm -hmm. And I remember early on thinking, wait a minute, this being a live thing, this is fucking wild. Yeah. Like everyone's walking around like it's no big deal. <laughs> like they're just kind of going with it. We're born and these things come up. We die. We really don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Everybody just seems to be like, okay with that. They're just going with the flow. Going with it. Yeah. And I'm kind of scratching my head. I'm like, okay, I guess I just go with this. So there was this curiosity, which I wouldn't have called it this then, but now it's just around consciousness mm. and and like what what is this? Yeah, that's cool. So do you remember when you started having those thoughts? Was it when you were like four years old, six years old, eight years old? Uh, um my mind is going to like under eight mm -hmm. years old. Yeah. Uh, for some reason. Yeah. 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 And and I, I don't remember like moments of like kind of poking at like, hey, what's really going on here? It was more of an observing 
Right. And I think part of this was like youngest, being the youngest, I was kind of learning as looking up to all these taller yeah. and older people. Yeah. I was kind of going with her flow and they weren't asking these questions. So I was just like assumed or I assumed to just kind of go with it. Right. Yeah. From there, um, um, regular kind of school, um, college, uh, undergrad, and then found myself uh, having co-created, co-founded a small boat building business in Hawaii. Wow. Okay. And jump right there. Yeah. <laughs> so this is after, you know, having moved to California uh, to work in advertising, um, got kind of disillusioned by the advertising agency, advertising world, and then started to talk about some small business ideas with a, a friend, a friend of mine. He had lived in Hawaii before. We should take these to Hawaii. So we did. We scrapped those small ideas and went all in on a boat building project. Mm -hmm. The boats floated. The business did not. <laughs> and it was there that there was a turning point where it was kind of this question that I began to ask myself is like, what am I really doing? What am I after? Like, yeah. if we do this thing with the boats, and even if we're in conversations about selling it to somebody in China and having a mass produced or something like that. And it was like, well, and then what? Yep. And this question, and then what? Really, just this repeating question. Okay, if I do that, oh, and just jump to it and make a bunch of money. And then what? Right. And then what? And it turned me back to listening inside or listening to not what my mind would come up with, but just like something else. What do I really want? Because mm. what do you want? And then there's what do you really want? Right. There's that. layers, right? Beneath. Yeah. So yeah. I started to go down these these layers and along the way kind of took inventory of my body and I had some a hernia sticking out and and just wasn't taking great care of myself. So at the when we wrapped that project with the boats, I shifted, started to read um, different philosophies, got into Buddhist philosophy, mm. turned Buddhist psychology, which turned me on to the um, field of psychology. Yeah. Fast forward a little bit more, graduate school in San Francisco at a transpersonal uh, school and got really, I felt like I was finally kind of getting into this question that came up really early in life of like, what is this and how to be with oneself and to be with others? Yeah. And so that's how I became a psychotherapist. And then the, the psychedelic part. Wow. Out. That's really cool. That's really cool. So the Buddhist teachings got you into psychology. Yes. And psychotherapy. Okay. Yeah. Different philosophies and then Buddhist philosophy, which yeah. read like a psychology. Yeah. And then, yeah, that was the doorway, the doorway in there. Oh, cool. Was there something about it in particular? Or did they say something or? Um, it was the simplicity. Like, yeah. it seemed like these other philosophers were kind of like behind a, you know, just kind of preaching something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. And there's this guy and that kind of makes sense. But there wasn't anything that I felt like, like in these fists, you know, like like grounded in my, right. my experience. Whereas Buddhist like philosophy, psychology was very like, oh, there's suffering and there's yeah. ways of dealing with that. Oh, and here are some of the pieces that we've learned along the way about how to work with that. Right. Which opened the door to a meditation practice. Um, I had been meditating um, some before, but then really... Um, was more committed 
to exploring my mind. Yeah. And I didn't know it at the time, but I was also then exploring my body. Yeah. And feelings and emotions and sensations as they arise in my body. Right. So it really set me off on this other trajectory. Right. Wow. That's really cool. I want to talk to you more about meditation because that's a, I love meditating mm -hmm. and we talk about that a lot. Mm -hmm. And then uh, also getting into your body and feeling your, you didn't say feelings, but feeling your emotions, right? And like, mm -hmm. that's a big one too, that a lot of people are cut off from them and uh, don't know how to access them. And we have so many different types of emotions mm -hmm. and most people experience like maybe four or five. Yeah, this yeah. is very fitting. And um, my mind jumps back to being on a meditation retreat mm -hmm. early on. And a lot of the kinds of retreats I went on, they were sitting, you do sitting practice yeah. and walking meditation. And then there'd be some talks and, and some question and answer. And this one particular one, Mount Madonna, uh, Northern California. Um, I was on a, during a period of walking meditation. Yeah. And I was walking and I'm like, I don't get it. I don't feel like my feet on the ground. The instruction before going out was something very simple or basic. Just feel and be with the sensation on your feet. And I'm like, I, apparently my feet are numb or, or something. Huh. And I went from walking on kind of the path and into the grass and onto rocks. And I personally hate walking on rocks <laughs> but i found myself like just leveling up for more sensation yeah and then um from from there i was i was like kind of like all right i guess i just have really even though it was uncomfortable i still wasn't connecting to the sensation there right so there was something about there was something poignant about that where we went back in the meditation hall and somebody else i didn't even ask the question somebody else asked a similar question this is a power of being in a group. Someone else can ask something and you can kind of learn a lot from it. And I realized that um, instead of increasing the amount of sensation that was, you know, likely coming in, that I needed, that I could hone in more on the sensation that was there and mm -hmm. whatever sensation, how subtle or light it was, yeah. that I could practice tuning into that yeah. versus amping up um the sensation around yeah and that feeling really that physical and practice really went into also feeling more emotions yeah that's cool i love that so instead of needing to have more external stimulus or or from the environment or from the external world you can i guess create more just internally with what you have is what you're saying yeah you can yeah. tune in to what's already here yes yeah. You know, as we you know, so much of meditation is like the observing, yep. and being with what's here. Yep. Um, even if it's loud, even if it's quiet, even yep. if it's intense or, or subtle. Yep. Yeah, that's so cool. That makes me think about the idea. One thing that's really cool to me is like, we are, we can be alchemists if we want to be and create the experiences you want to have in any context, any situation, right? So like even people say they're bored, like... <laughs> at home right but you could be excited right like if you want it to be uh -huh. it's like sitting in a room even staring at a wall you could like make that exciting you are highlighting the power of choice yeah and also of what we pay attention to yeah like we could have you know our world could be falling or burning around us yeah um 
and we can choose to connect with the things we're grateful for. Yeah. I'm not talking spiritual bypass exclusion. Yeah, and of course, yeah. things need our action and we want to be present and aware of what's arising. Right. But the difference of, oh, there's this one part of my life or my body or something that I don't like. And the preoccupation of the, the treading over that over and over again versus like, okay, there's that. And I notice the parts of me that come up that don't like that. Right. And there's all this thing, all this that's working really well with my body. Right. Or there's this, even this, to take it way up, there's just like, there's this presence that can notice the parts that don't like. Right. And we can get curious about that. Right. Yep. That's so true. I love that. Um, and I like, I, yeah, it's sometimes we get caught up in like, oh, it is, it's this or that, right? It's, it's not spiritual bypassing. It's like, it's a, to me, it's a prerequisite of trans transformation and also creating more of what you do want in the external world. It's not mm -hmm. bad to have mm -hmm. external things too. Right. And it yeah. usually, it comes from kind of getting to that place internally first. Um, that's cool. And I thought about, cause you talked about the Buddha, right. And then what Buddhist teachings. And I remember just reading a lot of other things about Buddhism and part of it is like, just, you can have the experience that you want at any moment. Right. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. Nice. And then, so is that a lot of the work um, you help people do in your psychotherapy too? Yes, yes. Not a lot of it, but some I of it. Didn't think about it like that, but it, it's actually spot on. Yeah. Slowing down yeah. to hear, see, feel, to know the patterns that are unfolding because our minds are pattern recognizing yeah. things we, we as, a, as a species, we, we try to automate things to free up energy for other things. Yep. It's the way that, you know, you walk into the room. So you've been to my place here a, a couple of times. Mm -hmm. um, but when I walk around, it's like, there's nothing that like catches my eye. Right. Whereas if you're newer to a space, it's like, oh, there's that. Oh, there's yeah. that. Yeah. And we do that as a species with our yep. own patterns and these kind of ways that may have been really useful early on or, or at some point in time, we they kind of go on autopilot. Yep. So meditation, psychedelics, um, a number of other things can be really helpful to bringing a more, uh, a fresher take on what's actually here. Yeah. And then from there we get to update like, Oh, actually that pattern of like how, when I, uh, meet someone, I, I kind of like stand back and kind of hold, hold back until I right. like, feel safe enough or they like come towards me or something like that. It's like, Oh, do I really need to do that anymore? Right. And I can get curious and then experiment with it in, right. in real life. That's really cool. So, so you help, so you do, you do help your clients with that. I do too, which is fun. Right. And I, I start with, I help myself do that too, which is, it's a practice too. It's like meditation. It's like constant practice um, for me at least. So, um, but I think that's really cool that you help people do that. Cause I feel like that's it's kind of like there's, again, there's more, but that's like a huge piece to life. Right. Cause again, most of the time we just are unhappy with our present moment, right. People, but it's like, if you could flip that it's like oh cool it could be totally blissful no matter what the circumstances it's pretty cool i totally agree i think yeah. it's like the, the the master key that when we can notice if we're resisting what's already here yeah it it, it, it frees us up to make other choices yeah like so much of our unconscious I mean, conscious energy can go into changing things yep um, I don't like this feeling or I'm feeling a little uh, vulnerable, scared, mm -hmm. uh, worried about something. 
And I'm not suggesting that just gets wiped out. Yep. But when there's a presence and a kind of a holding of that, then we get to make some choices around that versus like, you know, perpetuating a story either about someone else or or deepening a narrative about ourselves. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, if I am a little nervous or scared in say a new relationship, maybe I want to want to ask some questions or maybe I share what's really going on for me and see how that lands. It opens up a whole, all kinds of options. Right. I'm curious when you're working uh, with clients, do you actually do you bring meditation in to that to the to the practice with them? Yeah, I did. A, I did. A, I had a call today, and I did a little mini meditation mm-hmm. uh, moment with my client. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's mm-hmm. definitely uh, useful for sure. Breath work too. Run on some calls, other times a lot, of, a lot just physiological work, right, just with mm-hmm. their body because like patterns right so a lot of the times the patterns are driven by the way we're using our body Mm -hmm. and like some people are like this some people are breathing shallow into their chest Mm -hmm. so i I usually start there right with the body because if you shift the body it'll shift the mind right Mm -hmm. a lot of times you're trying to shift the mind first and the body doesn't always uh it doesn't always work right because you're stuck in the head when you're stuck in your head you're dead a lot right so yeah yeah man you've got it going on what i've learned in in you know just psychotherapy yeah Um, as well there is without the body on board the 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 presence with what's going on in the body we can talk talk about it in terms of nervous system yeah your nervous system is charged it doesn't matter what kind of interpretation or what kind of like even like perspective like this will pass or something like that like you need to tend to the body yeah it's it's talked about in terms of like bottom up yeah. Um, and then also it's very useful for kind of bottom down using our mind, but also help tend to, to our body as well. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. What would you say to somebody? What's a tip or a tool somebody can use if they have an unwanted or unpleasant feeling? Mm. How would you kind of approach that with them? So to first and foremost, bringing curiosity. And if there's yeah. one thing, just what would be even a little bit more curiosity? Yeah. Because there's, there's things that we're familiar with, and then we tend to um, kind of check out if we're if they're like neutral. But if right. they're uncomfortable, we tend to like want to push them away. Yeah, this also very much the roots of this is in Buddhist um, psychology. If it's uncomfortable, we push it away. If we really like it, we want to kind of cling to it and find a way to keep it here. Right. And if it's neutral, we can kind of check out to it. Right. So in terms of if it's, if it's unpleasant, unwanted notice oh, what are the ways you respond or react when feeling something uncomfortable mm. let it be physical let it be emotional um like oh do i do you shut down do you get loud so my the, the main tool to offer is first what's getting curious yeah. about how you're reacting to it because then you can turn that reaction into more of a response yeah that's super yeah i tell clients that too right curiosity is a very powerful tool yeah. superpower yeah mm-hmm. cool and then what or get curious so at, so when you get curious about it if you notice your like let's say uh i'm feeling this anxiety about something yeah coming up. and to as we were talking before to ground that in the body so okay i'm worried that's so that's a word great how do you notice that in your body right and then okay it's a tightening in my stomach it's uh it's a heaviness my my, my heat is 
you know, I'm putting off more heat right now. And then the, the counterintuitive move, which is a practice and practice over time of turning towards what's actually here. Mm. So when we're working out, yeah. it's actually quite, you know, it, it's challenging or our muscles are like pushed. And if you could kind of zoom in, it's like, it's actually uncomfortable to right. like lift weight, <laughs> like lift a lot of weight or the resistance. Yeah. But because we're with, with that in that situation, we're connected with like, well, this is for a goal or this is, you know, we, we have that. Um, the, the context of that is, is, you know, a certain thing, but when an uncomfortable emotion or a, a stream of thought arises, we naturally will want to kind of push that away. Right. So the invitation is to be with the discomfort, right? Which, you know, there might be someone who's just like, be with discomfort sounds like the worst idea ever. Yeah. And it makes sense. It actually to our bodies in a way it is to our, I would say our, to our bodies, it is a terrible idea. Right. Alarms will go off whenever mm -hmm. we get uncomfortable. If we get too cold, if we get too hot, if we get right. this, we, it like wants to be a, a neutral, safe space. Whereas our minds, and this is why your work is so powerful, no doubt. Right. Yeah, and just like you yourself and what you bring, but as you guide people into the strength of their ability to impact their mindset or steer their mindset. Right. Because we can we can use our minds to say, oh, this discomfort, it is kind of like lifting weights or working out. If I can be with this, this uh, worry right now, this is actually going to expand my window of tolerance. Mm -hmm. It's going to expand my ability to be with and make choices versus kind of falling into a default shutting down or going kind of more chaos or like uh, flipping out. About right, right. I agree. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's all energy, right? If you kind of take away the, the good or badness of it. Um, and then if you learn how to play with it and be with it, like you were saying, be mm -hmm. with the feeling and be with the energy, mm -hmm. then you can also harness it and channel it to yeah. how you want it to be, right? That's You bring up a great point because um, one way to work with it is to name, to label different yeah. feelings as uh, somewhat giving them more neutral yeah. names. So such as like um, aliveness sensation yep. like oh i'm feeling this sensation in my chest and normally i would call that anxiety or and, and then to try to get rid of it and try to think my way out of yeah. it yeah whereas if again we can bring the curiosity if we can bring a, a presence to what's happening in our body and then if i can be with this aliveness sensation yep so that's giving it a label aliveness that sounds great right aliveness sensation that could be fucking orgasm that could be right. like a stub toe that could be anything right. you know just this blast of energy right that if we can be with that it's going to reduce the amount of resistance and i talk about resistance in terms of of either clinging on to something this is a form of resistance trying to get rid of it trying to like blame or blast ourself or someone else is a, is a form of resistance right so if we can be with that sensation, that physical sensation, that can be kind of a, a foothold mm. into being with an experience. Mm. Of course, it will pass. Every emotion that we've ever had has come and gone. Um, but it's a it's a more self-loving ride when we can actually turn towards it and be with it. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. I agree. Mm. Totally. Mm. Wow. Okay. So what about the then psychotherapy? 
So yeah, I became a psychotherapist. Yeah. And have just such uh, gratitude um, for the work I get to do. I, I literally get to show up with people. I get mm. um, it pays my bills to to be um, authentic and real with people. Yeah. Obviously, psychotherapy is the focus is on with my client, but I bring myself as an instrument and a, as a human to meet them. So right. I'm, you know, I am always honing my craft or my instrument by learning more and more about myself and yeah i don't know of more meaningful work than to be with people through a process of, of healing and getting more free right that's really cool i love how you said you're always honing your craft and your work by being learning and being more of yourself that's really cool and and that you're the instrument i agree that's cool so not different from you my yeah. man i know it yeah <laughs> It's I feel it resonates, right? So it is fun. And I don't know what else is more meaningful, right? To be able to be with somebody. And the funnest thing for me is it's like so cool to see people like light up and get their aliveness back mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. just get over some fears and some doubts and um, mm -hmm. live a more full life, right? Their, their ideal life. So um, it is pretty awesome. Yeah. You asked about the psychedelics that came, yeah. that came later because um, growing up, uh, and as an athlete, there's, you know, there was the guys that did drugs and, you know, they might get, I might not make game day if, if I get busted doing drugs. Right. Although grew up pretty. What sports were you playing? In high school, uh, basketball, football, track, in, in okay. college football. Right. Um, and so that, um, that kept me kind of on the on the straight and narrow yeah and it wasn't until my mid-20s that i smoked cannabis yeah um, for the first time and then um i believe it was in my 30s that um psychedelics and i've had the good fortune um of having had a established meditation practice so <clears throat> i know like even today there are people that are having a psychedelic experience for the very first time that do not have uh mindfulness or meditation practice yeah and that is part perhaps of my life mission is to help um, um educate around the utility uh and the self-kindness of yeah. having um practices and to explore one's mind before adding you know an amplifier to the unconscious right so to know the landscape, to be able to sit with and be with oneself and notice what arises before adding rocket fuel to yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty solid idea. So I had that, yeah. that long-term long -term meditation practice. And then even the way I got introduced to, to um, different psychedelics, it was in a, in a safe container with relationships with people that I, that I knew. Um, so I feel very fortunate about that. Mm. And I have worked with dozens and dozens of people that have had very gnarly experiences um, both kind of in the underground or with psychedelics socially yeah so it's a real um there are powerful tools that um that need our, our love and care yeah absolutely so well for people that don't how, how would you even define psychedelics what was psychedelic Sure. Don't know. Yeah. So psychedelics um, to start with uh, the word itself. Um, 
Psychedelic is made up of, of two words, the Latin psyche, which means mind or soul, and yep. delun, which means manifesting or revealing. So mind manifesting, soul Ooh. revealing. Oh, cool. Yeah, and these are compounds that are not new. Um, 3000 BC, so like 5000 years ago, mm -hmm. there's there's evidence of, of psychedelics being used uh, in Europe um generations and generations used you know in, in on, as far as i learned all all continents oh. don't know about antarctica we'll just name it <laughs> but uh um Those. so these compounds that are that are found in plants that are found in different animals um examples um at the, the classic if we talk about kind of the classic psychedelics that's lsd which is synthesized made in, in a lab um, magic mushrooms, psilocybin, um, 200, some species of mushrooms contain that. Wow. Yeah. Mescaline, which is mostly from, um, um, certain types of cactus. Um, and, um, what is the other, I'm blanking on what the other classic psychedelic is. ketamine? No, that is, that is a much newer, okay. um, newer one but there are the four. oh i'm sorry dmt oh, it's of course like the, uh, ayahuasca it's the yeah. active ingredient in ayahuasca uh, but there's also 5-meo dmt and there's other forms uh let's see um it's called 2n 2n dmt is kind of yeah but those are the the classic psychedelics yeah that are found in plants in in toads um all over and so, so over these are all time, naturally occurring or occurring substances in, in nature yeah. Um, LSD is, Not LSD. is, is been synthesized yeah. in the early 1900s, yeah. um, but other DMT, psilocybin yeah. and the cactus. Yeah. All of them have since been able, you know, there's, there's work to synthesize them, to make them, you know, replicable, you know, able to replicate them in a lab, which is actually quite useful in yep. terms of research, because it's a difference of like, Hey, let me hand you this mushroom. And then. To do research on with magic mushrooms, it, we would need to obviously control the dose as as part of good research. So when they synthesize something, then they can kind of control for that. Right, right. You mentioned ketamine. That's a that's a in the '60s. Um, it was developed really as an anesthetic. Mm -hmm. uh, it's actually a really safe, well-known um, medicine. It's on the World Health Organization's 50 most essential drugs it's in hospitals all over the world yes it's used in veterinarian medicine but it's also used for infants and you know humans of all all ages for anesthesia in sub anesthetic so we're not you know nobody's like getting knocked out in using ketamine therapeutically but sub anesthetic doses um, can be really potent to help a therapeutic process or occasion a mystical experience mm. or like a, a high dose of, of ketamine. People can go on quite a, a journey, including ego death, or we just have a lot of different material come up and, and shift their perspective on it. Yeah, wow. And you said sub what? Sub, sub anesthetic. anesthetic. So okay. ketamine yeah, was yeah, yeah. invented as just a, yeah. as anesthesia. Yep. So we're using it at levels underneath that. Yeah. How does it do that? <laughs> <laughs> So ketamine is is different than the those classic psychedelics I mentioned. Those work on a particular a serotonin like receptor in in the brain, mm -hmm. whereas ketamine, very small molecule that very easily breaks the brain blood 
blood-brain barrier. It works on the glutamate system, also stimulates some serotonin and, and dopamine, but mostly this glutamate system, which it's with all of these psychedelics um, and maybe all of, of neuroscience, we still, mm. we can notice where the activity is increased or decreased in the brain, yeah. but we still don't know why this and why that. The ketamine has, it, it tends to um, have an interaction with the brain where the way we hold, well, one, let me, let me back up, it, it um, tends to alleviate um, or, or just be a very relaxing. You can imagine if you've ever gotten anesthesia, it's like, you know, okay, yeah. sleepy time. Yeah. So sub anesthetic, but there's a component of that. Just to flash to one client who, um, her first dose of ketamine, she took this breath that was amazing. Mm. She took this huge, gentle, loving breath. And at the end of it, she said, wow, now I know what it's like to be in my body without anxiety. Wow. Yeah. And that was like a novel, seemingly novel experience oh, yeah. for her. So it, it has this anti-anxiety, this softening, relaxing uh, quality to it. Yeah. And then what it does in the mind, um, I'll have to bring in a, I say you over the neuroscience, yeah, right. <laughs> neuroscience friend to, to talk about that. Right. Um, but as far as subjectively, as, as I can speak to it, I've, I've worked with ketamine myself as part of part of my training. It, by class, it's a it's a dissociative, so it 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 can have a, people having a sense of an experience outside of their body. Right. Let me be really clear. When I first heard that, I'm like, oh, you like float above your body, like you know, like as if there's you're about to die, a car accident kind of thing, and you're like seeing the scene. Not quite like that, right? Although there can be some components of that, but there's a there's having another experience that isn't directly related to the senses that you're used to. Mm. There can be information coming in, yeah. And now I can talk about like just all a psychedelics. You know, we mentioned these our, our minds as pattern recognizing systems, and our egos tend to be uh, kind of a filtration system of like what we're going to notice what story we're buying into and things right. like this, where psychedelics can kind of open the aperture of that, let yeah. more information in, start to make connections that we previously hadn't made before. And this is, you know, very advantageous for therapy, um, for creativity, um, and for just exploration of, of consciousness. Totally. Yeah. That's so cool. So it's like, it's like a automatic therapist it just goes into your brain it just helps you like shift some belief systems and see things you might not have seen before or, or maybe notice things in, in different ways you might not have noticed them before yeah yes but, uh I, I would add um and this is coming from my my clinical background yeah you know a hundred people could take a, a psychedelic and a, a number of those people would have an experience some would even find it like a healing experience a, a mystical experience and it would impact their life and a, a large portion of those people if they just took that by themselves or at home or in a social setting yep um they would have things come up and they would really benefit so greatly from support yeah and then yeah. there's another portion that would that would be worse off 
for having taken that psychedelic without any support. So I, of course, am a fan of yeah. uh, having a uh, ideally a highly trained, experienced therapist, yep. psychedelic assist therapist there. Yep. And if not, um, a facilitator, a sober person, not even facilitate necessarily a facilitator, but someone to be with them to 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 ensure the physical safety and then also be with them in that experience. So if if you were doing a journey and say it was a solo journey, but someone was there and some material came up for you and then you and you you spoke it out into the air and then the person there just jotted it down. And then yeah, yeah. later on they, they mentioned that and that could open a door for yeah. exploration for yep. you. And being witnessed and seen and held in that, like we get it's it's known, you know, we get often get wounded in relationship. We can also heal very much in relationship. So to be able to talk through something yep. um, that has that, you know, as the aperture opened and more information came in and maybe it's a past memory or maybe it's a connection of something we haven't made before that we're able to like share that with someone yeah. is really helpful. Yeah. So powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm not a doctor. This is a medical advice. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. 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 And, but also I was going to get that too, right? Like you don't, the, one is doing it with somebody that's professional at this, like yourself, a therapist, and you're also part of maps, which is like a big deal. Um, I'm going to ask you to tell what that is too in a second, but for sure. Right. Cause a lot of this stuff is also the dose and mm. like the state you're in. And like you were saying, you have a meditation practice, right? So it's not just going out and getting the whole bag of mushrooms or something like that and just yeah. counting down. Right. And you're going to have this magical, like you might, you might not. Right. But, uh, it's just like working out. There's a prescription to it. Right. So you mm. want to do the right prescription. And also yeah. have the right guides and uh, support doing it, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Naeem, I would have chased you. If we hadn't talked about this, what you just brought up now, yeah. I would have chased you down. Yeah. They're like, yo, man, we should have this. Yeah. I'm glad you brought this up. <laughs> um, so first, just the MAPS piece. That's yeah. MAPS is a multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies. Mm -hmm. This is a group um, uh, founded and led by Rick Doblin, um, who um 30 some years ago saw the writing on the wall that mdma was going to be made illegal mm. even though it had been used with uh, some say hundreds of thousands of therapy sessions uh particularly in northern california and the utility of this medicine are you familiar with mdma mm -hmm. so? okay, yeah cool. yep. yeah um and for your listeners it's a it's a considered a psychedelic, not one of the classic psychedelics, but it has, it tends not to bring on like visuals or, or like that, but it's, it's very heart opening. It's one way to describe it. So the fear and it's literally the activity in the brain, the amygdala is pretty much in charge of the fear response. Yeah. That activity is turned down. Uh, prefrontal cortex or so thinking logical mind is turned up yeah and then also this this um ability to kind of take memories and connect them into put them into long-term memory instead of like like it's still happening so this is what, in part why they used ptsd mm. um as the diagnosis to test to see to research how mdma was going to perform as a therapeutic medicine. So uh -huh. MAPS 30 years ago 
saw the writing on the wall that MDMA was going to be made illegal. And they started this organization in order to make psychedelics legal for therapy use. Mm. And we are now, it's a very interesting time because literally last month, um, the, so MAPS sponsored, and this is like 50, $100 million to get this research done, um, an FDA trial to get MDMA assisted therapy. And this is Mm. why it's coming up right now because it's not just the medicine. Yep. It's MDMA assisted therapy because there's relationships, there's therapists. I yeah. can tell you about kind of the protocol and things, but that started many, many years ago. And just last month, the last participant that was required went through the whole process. And now the the data gets locked. It means, you know, the, the study is kind of done. And then we send that information to the FDA, likely um, middle of next year, the FDA will approve that. The DEA will then have to reschedule. So right now, all these psychedelics that we've been talking about, yeah, um, save ketamine. Um, that's schedule three that, that can be prescribed, and it is. But all these other psychedelics, and for that matter, cannabis, is federally schedule one. Schedule one is uh, the drug classification, which means uh, some of the, the language in that classification is that there's no medical use or no research. There's no medical use for it. And it's highly addictive. Hmm. Those are the things that yeah. have really put major clamps on the research and developing right. these medicines as, as, as tools for all sorts of different things in mental health. So um, MDMA, this heart opener being used, um, I, as you as you mentioned, I got connected with with Maps and have been a clinician, so I've been a therapist as part of that study, uh, the phase three of that study. So we would work with a participant who who qualified for having uh, essentially enough P- PTSD, um, and actually the the study that I'll quote here in a moment. On average, people had suffered for 15 years or about 15 years with PTSD. Wow. So these are like, this is not like garden variety, like, yeah. oh, I have some anxiety and a little bit of depression. This is like oh. people have been suffering for a long time. Yeah. And they went through this three, four-month protocol getting MDMA only three times. So just compare that to the pharmaceutical, most pharmaceutical models of like daily yeah. medicine to suppress the symptoms yeah what we what what maps did is set this protocol to have mdma three times there were inclusion exclusion criteria there was medical um checks um along the way um you know preparation sessions and integration sessions in between each of the medicine sessions but only getting mdma three times and the result of that first half of of this this uh, phase three study was that 67% of the people that got MDMA uh-huh. in this research no longer qualified for having PTSD. Wow. They improved that That's much. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Here's the kicker. We did a year follow-up and those numbers got better. <laughs> and the reason we think that is so, because it's also 
the way in which the therapy was conducted really honed in that each and every person has an inherent internal healing intelligence. Yep. And so we didn't apply like CBT or any particular way of doing therapy, but we rather referred, we were, it was inner directed. The protocol literally says inner directed that when things come up, we have people kind of go with that information, take that question mm -hmm. inside or revisit that experience with this kind of other presence that's online helped out by the medicine right. temporarily but there's something about that that kept going in their own process in their own system and right. people improved over time wow it's so cool it's so cool to me that yeah that just the how effective it is and it really helps people from a lot of pain and well suffering <clears throat> and get through whatever uh challenges they're going through that's really amazing yeah yeah and part of that is, is was to your question about, you know, people just not just showing up or, or you know, getting in the research that yeah. we're hearing about, oh, psilocybin helps with end of life anxiety. People aren't just showing up, filling out a form, saying they have anxiety and then getting dosed. There's, there's, there's safety protocols, there's relationships being built and people that know their story and what's going on. Yeah. Most often a uh, a co-therapy model meaning two therapists in the room that also adds safety also it helps kind of um individuals kind of project different things on, on, on more than one person right that can be really helpful yeah. part of it but the uh you were pointing to before kind of the set and setting um the set being the mindset um meaning anything that's going on what's your mood like what was your sleep like what's going on in your body at a given time, what are your hopes, what are your expectations, all that in the set. And then the setting being like the, the physical environment, which would also include the music, if there's a guide and, and sitter. Um, and then the, the, the ability to like be able to um, kind of make choices within that. So having a sober sitter is really helpful on any psychedelic and the lights get really bright to have someone help you change that or okay you need to step outside okay great you got someone to help take care of your physical safety yeah also ultimately kind of your emotional uh being um met emotionally as well right yeah yeah it's super key to have a skilled person that can be there with you yeah so do you do this when um like with people with you like is that what you do yeah. So yeah. in private practice, so in, in the research, it's, it's all in person in private practice yeah. since COVID it's been more virtual. Yeah. And I have a team of psychiatrists, um, who will prescribe mm -hmm. if they see fit will prescribe ketamine. And so I work most often I'm working with people, low dose ketamine. Mm -hmm. So they have a prescription, take ketamine, it stays conversational, relational, as we're, we're talking yeah. here now. Yeah. Whereas the higher doses, um, think like eye shade, headphones, yeah. inner journey. And then we, you know, we do prep for that and then also work with whatever material comes up. Wow. Yeah. The majority of my work is lower dose. It alters their state a little bit, softens some of these protectors. So mm -hmm. it opens up even more space to work with, um, well, whatever that person right to, to work with right yeah. cool and then in between and maybe maybe before and after there's like 
meditation or other types of things. That's right. To, yeah. So yeah. there's there's several sessions before they uh, we work with any medicine. And again, the medicine I work with in private practice right now is limited to ketamine. And then after every uh, ketamine assisted session, there is a non ketamine integration session yeah. the day the day or two after right and that um like a, a week of ketamine assisted work like ketamine session uh and then a integration session right following. okay what's like something you're excited about that you see a big problem that's going to solve once they actually make more of this stuff mm -hmm. more usable in medical Content. Yeah, so that's a great question because the uh, the accessibility right now yeah. is very. Um, it's I mean we could look over time and it's it's getting better because of all the research that's coming out. Yeah, I mentioned that the research got really um, um, nearly all but stopped, and that happened in the in the seventies when it was really politicalized. Um, the Nixon administration. Um, but the war on drugs, yep. which of course it's strange to have a war on an inanimate object, <laughs> um, but it's really been shown and it got really clear that it was actually a war on political activists yeah. um, and people of color. Yeah. So that's the, the gist of the war on drugs. And it unfortunately, it, for every reason, but also that it shut down mm -hmm. the research. So access. I, I found it amazing that like, sugar is a drug <laughs> and i drink some alcohol but alcohol is a bigger drug the alcohol is like really killing your brain cells and like it's not good for you um, but again you got to find the balance of like how you want to live your life and enjoy your life right but it's funny how like some things are just total and cigarettes too of course right like that's killing you too yeah but like some things you're like all right this is okay but then this stuff is taboo even though it's actually like psilocybin has no negative side effects as far as i know to the body or to anything but it's amazing yeah you're yeah, yeah. we'll come back to access but like what yeah. you're naming now is like what's available for people to um you know and culturally to celebrate yeah. alcohol to to alter their their state of mind to to relax yep. you know that's what's sanctioned right yep. now and you know um there's there was a uh, researcher in in Europe, um, David Nutt, who was doing a, a study on the different impact, the impact on different substances and alcohol, LSD, psilocybin, heroin, all these things. And he created this amazing chart. We'll, we'll put it in the, in the yeah. notes. And alcohol was far and away the most dangerous mm. uh, chemical yeah. to involve with. Um, um, yeah psilocybin and um and other psychedelics were very much at the end of the line yeah of that so yeah there's so much um that that's that that's that's actually quite a quite a head banging yeah right. <laughs> um conversation right and it's with more research and this gets back to excess is that with more research there's going to be more um accessibility yeah Things are happening in, in terms of uh, in the United States. Um, many a number of cities, starting with Denver, decriminalized the use of psilocybin. Mm. So that people 
It wasn't legal. No one could sell it. And federally, still illegal in the same way that you and I, you know, we could go to Abikini or Rose over here and, and buy cannabis. But federally, it's still not legal. Mm. Statewide, um, these psychedelics um, de being decriminalized just means it's a lower priority. You certainly can't sell it and you get busted for trafficking right. as well. But this is seems to be kind of the path of, of making things more accessible. So what started with different cities around the country has now had two states, hmm. Oregon in 2020 and um, just last month, Colorado um, voted. Uh, some of the similarities is that they made psilocybin uh, and some other compounds decriminalize that so people could use that without going to jail. Right. Um, and then also started to create a path for access, meaning in Oregon, it was that they would set up treatment centers and ways to kind of roll out this medicine. Um, and actually next year, two years to do that. Right. That's exciting. And then also with things like cancer and other diseases, it's helpful too, right? Oh my gosh, this, yeah. is, this has really been a big uh, lead. So with the MDMA for PTSD study, there's a lot of first responders, uh, a lot of veterans as part of that study. There's also an, a whole other branch of, of research, a lot headed up uh, or led by um, Roland Griffiths mm -hmm. at Johns Hopkins University where they started to study in the early 2000s, the impact of psilocybin. Uh, some of the earlier research was uh, end of life, um, life-threatening anxiety. So mm. people get a cancer diagnosis, anxiety and depression in Russia. Yeah. They did a study where with one administration, but again, not just roll in and get psilocybin. They, there's a safe set and setting proper medical eval, um, and then they establish a relationship. Then they have this one session with psilocybin. Huh. And the rates of people's, uh, they called it, um, um, it was basically rapid yeah. and robust uh, decrease in anxiety and depression associated with wow. the end of life care. And that, that stuck for months. Wow. And again, compared to the model of like, what kind of medications can we give you daily in order to suppress your systems and also have a number of side effects. Right. While I don't think any medicine or maybe any thing that we take, maybe other than water might uh, have, may have a side effect or, or some other impact, you know, but we're talking about the difference of like nausea or, you know, kind of very acute kind of, um, impact or side effects of right. these medicines versus taking something on the daily. Right. Wow. Okay. Wow. How can people, like, if they think this could be useful for themselves or a family member or friend or somebody, where, where would they start? Go to MAPS? What would they do? Yeah. So MAPS is great. MAPS.org. Yeah. They'll have uh, not only their own, but other, they'll point to other research happening in the psychedelic space. Yeah uh clinical gov um clinicaltrials.gov will have a, a list of, of of trials going on mm -hmm. um happy to put 
some other resources yeah. in the um, in, in the links. Well, also, if uh, you're available to contact, I don't know if that's something that you, you do or is cool, but yeah, you yeah. can find out how to reach you. Yeah, limited uh, space, but um, yeah. practice of freedom, A, practiceoffreedom.com. Yeah. Also on the on Instagram and uh, yeah, really looking to both educate uh, about the space for, you know, we could call it psychedelic harm reduction. Right. I think we need to kind of rebrand that to maybe just yeah. psychedelic, you know, one um, one uh, author puts it, psychedelic health and safety, something like that. Um, so yeah, both as uh, individual, for individual psychotherapy, psychedelic assisted therapy, um, training, supervision. Yeah. Right. Cool. What's your... Um... A little bit of a no, not a tangent, but I always like to ask these questions. Like I told you before, mm -hmm. I ask you, what do you, what do you, uh, what are some practices you do to keep your 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 mindset and your your emotions, um, I don't know, constantly cleansed and and up and uh, filtered out. Yeah, and I know exactly what you're speaking to, and some of the language I've been using around it is like to not resist what's here. And the yeah. things that help me not resist slash feel what's yeah. here side note not side note psychedelics i think have this capacity to help us actually feel what's here and not yeah. resist it so yeah to your question if you peek over there yeah that's my uh oh your cold plunge yeah oh yeah just uh check that out. it's not even full full go yet but oh, the nice. last several weeks i've not i've not never been as consistent in my life yeah on cold exposure except for these 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 last three three plus weeks every day it's incredible yeah and i've also taken on this practice of as i step into a cold shower that i i of course take a few breaths i kind of center myself first and then as i step into that i kind of just yeah. make this, this note connect with that i'm going to step into the day and then as the cold water is coming I connect with my breath and then i connect with a couple kind of aspirational mm. things that i like, yeah. like want or can know myself as that yep. are maybe have a little bit of a reach um but essentially to stay open to stay devoted uh things like that i love that that's yeah. cool yeah i love the, the cold plunge is great that's a great one um and you still have i'm sure you have a meditation practice still too right meditation practice yeah. um breath work kind of comes and goes but yeah. sitting in silence and listening watching feeling my mind and body yeah on the daily yeah um and then something else we've chatted about um lifting weight yeah man um again here i'm in my uh now mid oh mid 40s yeah and i have not i've been working out in a way uh with heavier weight that i haven't done since college wow yeah yeah and it is awesome yeah like there again it's like finding an edge and and kind of sitting or being with that edge yep and then the next thing of just kind of i mean like busting through like adding a crazy amount of weight but having been adapted to like oh this is how much i yeah. can lift there's how much i can do this that and then watching myself grow it just like exponential yeah to uh other areas of my life yeah it is amazing and lifting weights is uh 
really helpful for like just oh i didn't turn that off whatever um lifting weights is really helpful for um living longer mm. and also kind of having more youthfulness right because it helps with the bone density and mm -hmm. all that too so that's cool nice man yeah. how can we what what do you want to leave everybody off with what's your what's your final parting word message parting message kind of on the subject of psychedelics but it need not be psychedelic specific um it seems like while life is the longest thing we'll ever experience yeah it just seems pretty quick yeah and so really devoting um practices of self-kindness yep and for me that tends to look like uh growth or having a growth mindset and not like endless nothing's enough but rather um really wanting to experience and know myself yeah through relationship and 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 creative work it's like i just encourage everyone to to have fun in this exploration yeah and yeah the word devotion devoting mm. um maybe maybe it's just like a couple percent more of devotion yep. or learning about yourself and growing in intimate connection with yourself and others i love that devotion to learning more about your your instrument right mm, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's beautiful thank you man mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that you're so welcome man this is great. Yeah. Can't wait to have you in the cold plunge and, and pop in for a workout. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Yeah. Right on, man. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. I want to say welcome to the new members of the Peak Humans tribe who have joined us this week. If you haven't joined yet, come join the others who are receiving exclusive insights, tools, and strategies on the psychology of peak performance and high performance habits every single week. Simply click on the link to join the newsletter down below. I have a free gift for you as well, my morning tools to kick off your day in a peak state so you can have unstoppable confidence and high energy throughout the day. Simply click on the link down below. Please check out the sponsors down below as it's the best way to support this podcast. All of them are products I use myself and many of my top performing clients do as well to optimize their mind and body to stay in a peak state.